Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat in game four, the Philadelphia 76ers 110-102, to led in large part by Pascal Siakam with 34 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Thaddeus Young had a massive game. The high-low feeds, the bounce passes to the cutting Boucher was a big deal. Gary Trent Jr. providing not the sharpest, you know, shot-making pop, but way more shot-making pop than the Raptors have typically gotten from other places. And the defense still worked. Uh, lucky for me, because I made <laughs> I made that video about how the Raptors succeeded defensively against the 76ers in Game 3, and I wondered, you know, what's the shelf life of this video? And they played a very, very similar brand of defense in Game 4, so if you do want to know specifically with visual aids, how the Raptors succeeded in this game. You could actually just watch that on YouTube, but we'll get into it, of course, on this. And so the Raptors, 102 to 110, or sorry, 110 to 102, fantastic defense in this game. As far as guarding Embiid, the Raptors doubling from, well, you could say the top because typically they wanted to get an empty side, but I, I think the term in like basketball terminology is just double from nearest perimeter which means you want the ball to funnel back outside. And typically the Raptors felt like they would start shifting from that point on. So you leave the guy in the weak side corner to present man defense to basically everybody else. And the guy at the very back is weak side zone, the other two players. So he's cutting off those rotate. He's cutting off those passes. If you're trying to make that skip pass or something like that. And so the Raptors effectively, their defense was so good. The rotations were sharp. They were long athletic that, they got to double Embiid without giving up too much advantage. And Embiid, for what it's worth, is a guy who... I, I talked about this prior to the series. He has had trouble navigating doubles as strictly a passer before. And five turnovers in this game. He's obviously dealing with a torn thumb. I think it's a, a very similar injury to the one that Kyle Lowry had, actually. When the Raptors won the title, Kyle had a torn thumb. A torn ligament in his thumb. And uh, I, I think Embiid is going through something similar here. But in the half court, when the Raptors got to set their defense, Precious, OG, um, Pascal in particular did a really great job of pushing Embiid out and making sure that he couldn't establish really deep position. When he did, again, help from nearest perimeter, help from the top, 
you send doubles and, you know, depending on if he picks up his dribble, maybe you go for the steal, maybe you start backing off and then just see if he can make a pass from a dead ball. But the Raptors did such a good job at just zeroing in on Embiid from jump and making sure that if he wanted to score, A, it was going to be super difficult. B, especially in the half court, it's going to come on on a jump shot probably. And so where the Raptors struggled in this matchup was the same as it's always been in transition or on broken plays where let's say they miss a shot and they have to try and get back and they can't establish their shell. They can't resist and, and crowd those entry passes as much and they can't push out as far. So Embiid running down the floor, establishing an early position, still netted some points and some free throws and stuff like that. But the Raptors, they wanted the ball to funnel to Harden. Make Harden beat you. And that was what they tried to do in game three. And defensively, no qualms with, with what they did. Well, that, that inbounds play I had qualms with, but I talked about that on no off days with Lewis and how the Raptors kind of screwed that up. But the, the defense as a whole was great in game three. It was the offense that failed them. And they got hardened to take the most shots out of anybody on the team. 17 shots. Uh, he went to the line for 11 free throws. So not even just in raw uh, shots, but in used possessions, I'm pretty sure that Harden was the guy, and the Raptors, they they keyed in on Tyrese Maxey once again, and Maxey finished with 11 points on 12 shots. I cannot stress to you how big a difference it makes that they're able to focus in on him and make sure that he is not just absolutely crushing them on second side action. Don't give him the advantage. Make sure that second side action, if it comes, make sure you're set, make sure you're loaded up, make sure that the help is there to pinch in, all these kinds of things. And especially once once Fred was out of the game and Fred being injured, you know, Fred was injured before he got that left hip strain that made him leave. And he's affected by it defensively and offensively. And so the, the Raptors, once Fred left the game with that left hip strain, they did get to lean into some of the more, I don't know, philosophical things that they tried to do this year, those no point guard lineups, and even having, you know, quite a stretch at the start of the fourth quarter without Gary Trent Jr., where it's basically just no guards. Heliocentric Siakam guiding the offense, driving them forward at all times, and defensively just throwing length at every single possession. Now, I'm not sure what's happening with Fred into the future, but the heliocentric Siakam... That's how the Raptors won their games without Fred and OG against the 76ers is just Siakam taking the weight of the world on his shoulders, providing, you know, in and out every possession and stuff like that. But is that tenable for the rest of the series where the 76ers will continue to load up on him like crazy? Probably not. And the Raptors were definitely a little bit more focused, clinical, disciplined, whatever, choose any adjective you want in their screening for Siakam to get him downhill into clear space and to get him into more favorable positions. As I've said for a long, long time, you can give Pascal Siakam screens. As hesitant as Nick Nurse was for forever to actually let him run pick and rolls at a high rate, that is very clearly something he can do, even though that that pull-up three isn't exactly where other people, well, Everybody wants it. Pull-up threes are great if you can ever get it. But Fred's injury weighs quite large on this series because the Raptors do need whatever he can provide. And if he's gone, you know, the man, the 76ers get to cook up all sorts of new stuff, honestly. And the Raptors will have responses, as they often do. How successful those might be is where, you know, that's why they play the games. But yeah, Pascal, 
drove the Raptors to this win. Just almost, well, you, you can say by his lonesome because it, it was the defense that kept the Raptors in it and made sure that even if they're struggling offensively, they got to labor through these just Siakam possessions where Pascal played almost 44 minutes in this one. And had this been a closer game, he would have ended up playing 45 or 46 because he was going to play the whole game, basically. And it was just that they had got the lead to a good place at the end that he got to sit for a couple minutes. But yeah, 34, 8, and 5. He definitely had a couple more assists left on the table. 13 of 15 from the free throw line. Only three turnovers. Uh, plus 13, only second to Thaddeus Young. Pascal taking everything offensively, driving the Raptors, and playing just a fantastic defensive game as well. On Joel Embiid, on Tyrese Maxey, on Tobias Harris, all these different guys that he's mixing and matching and catching up on. You know, he's Xing out here, then he catches up to a new matchup, and so maybe the ball funnels to them. Maybe it's Harden, right? And in isolation, Pascal can stop Harden. In isolation, Pascal can stop Maxey. And as a rotator and as a court coverage guy, he was just tremendous as well. Same with same with OG and Precious. I, and Gary, I thought, had a good defensive game too. Thad, you know, Chris Boucher. These, these guys, their length, their tenacity was such a boon in this one. Scotty is quieter game, obviously. One of six from the field. Had 11 rebounds still. Played 25 minutes. Had two assists. And rookie of the year. Good for him. So well-deserved. Um, well done, Scotty. Just a, a fantastic rookie year. He probably is going to be much better in Game 5 than he was in Game 4. A little bit more time to rest that ankle, to get used to maybe some new limitations just for the time being that come with the ankle, playing within himself, you know, and what, what it presents for him and stuff like that. That's going to be very interesting to see. So, Scotty, a pretty limited game. You could see he was hampered a bit on the defensive end. He was definitely hampered a lot on the offensive end, resulting to a lot more jump shots than we would typically see and way more than we saw in game one where he was uber aggressive, took everybody on the weak side directly under the bucket and left them there with you know the basket in hand and to inbound it. But in this one, that wasn't really the case. But he's back and, and he's doing his best, so I'm excited to see him progress in game five as well. But he wasn't a huge story. He wasn't a huge story for the game game. As far as the storylines around the game, like Scotty coming back, rookie of the year, you know, fighting through this this injury, that's all great. But as far as impacting the floor, uh, there's definitely guys who brought more in this game. But that's not a bad thing. He's an injured rookie who's, you know, fighting through that. So, yeah, well done, Scotty. Fred, I we well, if you saw the game, you know what it was. Like Fred, he's he's still a good defender. His, his dig downs, those heavy hands, he's still a smart guy rotating, but he is limited at the point of attack. Now the Raptors do feel that on some possessions and on some of the switches where Harden maybe gets to attack or other things like that, or they have to scram switch him out of an Embiid position in the post or something like that. Although that didn't really happen in this game. I shouldn't be bringing that up, but... Anyway, and offensively, Fred had a couple really nice shots made in the first quarter, kind of keeping the Raptors afloat, but that was basically it. Uh, he's hampered, man. He's The burst isn't really there. He, had, he has trouble creating really good advantages for his teammates, and it's a, it's a heavy toll. Nick Nurse, the Raptors, they, they rode him hard, man. And he like he's second in minutes per game in the NBA and he's such a little guard he took such a beating all year and that knee even though that's not what ended up being 
the reason he left the game, but he's just going through a lot right now. So as as difficult as these performances might be to stomach, there's a much better version of Fred waiting on the other side of this season and on opening night, you know, of next year. Whatever whatever the end of this season looks like, if they come back from 3-0, if they end up winning the championship, whatever it is, right? It's just that Fred can't be the full version of himself right now, and that's not his fault. And and he wasn't very good in this game, but that's, I, I hardly, I scarcely blame him for that. OG had a little bit of a tough night. There's a little bit more tension thrown his way for the record. And it's hard to take playoff attention if teams are loading up a little bit more. And it could it's even something so small as just shading in, right? OG faced more attention of guys gapping and shading him than the other games. And why is that? Because he's been fantastic. Because he's been so good. So they're less eager to leave him open as a shooter. They're less eager to allow him to isolate by himself. They're less eager to allow all that kind of stuff. And so you get a 3-for-13 game. He had 11 points. But he was great on defense. OG tried his best offensively, controlled what he could on defense. And under that control, he was fantastic. He, he just played a, a phenomenal defensive game. So, you know, not his best offensive performance, but this is, you know, changing roles because of what the defense puts you through. And you have to adjust to that and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's that doesn't bug me too much. I think he'll be better next game offensively too. And the defense, I expect to be in the, a very similar place. The uh, the duo of Thad and Precious deserve a lot of love for this game. Thad uh, didn't give quite as much as Precious on defense, but he gave plenty on offense. That his pass, his playmaking verve added a dimension to the Raptors' offense that it was certainly missing, and it revived dead plays on you know three or four occasions. That's worth its weight in gold in a game where, you know, it's slow paced. Everything's bogged down for both teams on both ends. And every single time that Thaddeus Young takes like the ball at the 45 and finds Chris Boucher cutting from the baseline for a layup or a dunk, that's a possession where the Raptors get two points, where Siakam doesn't have to probe, pull out, take, you know, take a body, take a dig, probe, pull out, take a body, take a dig, find a spot, hit his shot. Like, go through all of that, that saves Siakam the energy to keep fighting. And and Thad, honestly, being able to kind of pop in and provide his little package of offensive plays in that third quarter, it, it set the stage for Siakam to kind of like, okay, take this little breather, re-engage this defense the way you currently read it and see it, and then take off in the fourth, which Pascal did. I mean, his fourth quarter was immense. It was It was tremendous. But Thaddeus Young being able to give that little bit of punch on offense, that is, uh, that's that's fantastic. As I said, worth its weight in gold. And Precious defensively, I've been talking about it for forever now. And it still is the case, man. Precious continues to wow and amaze on defense. Uh, he's he's going to be an all-defense guy. How many times in his career? I don't know, but it's going to happen. He's so... So good. The court coverage, the switching, the pick and roll defense, the help at the rim. It was just, it's so much. And his closeouts have gotten better. His reads for rotation have gotten better. It's just a really, really strong game. And then that in and out dribble, man. In and out, straight to the cup, left-handed layup. And then in transition, taking the body and finishing left-handed too. Just really impressive finishes at the rim. Super great to see that happen. That's, uh, yeah, that was, 
awesome, awesome to see. It wasn't it wasn't his most explosive offensive game. Certainly wasn't the same as as last game, right? That that nine of eleven performance. But you know, he had five points in this one. The Raptors needed all of them. I know they won by eight, but you still need those points. They came at these high leverage moments where the Raptors were on a run and they wanted that that punctuation point and the exclamation point, I should say. And uh, yeah, he he was able to provide it a couple times. So yeah, man, the the Raptors they found a way in this game. They had it. It was when I watched every other game, you could tell that it was ready to teeter. Even when the Raptors were up by, you know, what did they up by? Like twenty one or nineteen in in game three, and that game didn't feel in hand. Like it was on the precipice of turning at any point in time. And this game, when you watched it, there was a sense that I got from it anyway that the Raptors, because of how they were able to control on defense, they really, really were able to control on defense for the totality of the game, that it felt like it was okay. And the fact that Siakam started being able to find more spots, his teammates were better screening for him, and he finally got foul calls. I... There, there are people who cover the 76ers. I won't name them because I don't want to, you know, just these people say, wow, Tobias Harris gets to put two hands on Siakam on every single possession. James Harden gets to put two hands on Siakam every time there's a switch and Siakam tries to turn the corner. He takes a lot of contact. And finally, after having zero free throws last game, it wasn't his most aggressive game, but I still think like, wow. Zero, like not a single call going to the bucket. He went to the line for 15. He's probably not getting to the line for 15 again in this series. That If he does, awesome. And going 13 of 15 from the line, by the way, which is just tremendous. But Siakam played through so much. The defense was aggressive, hands-on, like just overzealous in the first half, the first three quarters. He just kept pushing until that whistle finally started to turn in his favor. And they paid for fouling him. And he was, you know, like, I don't want to make the whistle too big of a thing because obviously the Joel Embiid dialogue and the Harden dialogue is surrounded by the whistle. Always. But Siakam, because of how much more... He is more dynamic than Embiid in some ways, above the break, right? But Embiid, Embiid is a much better player than Siakam. Embiid is, you know, an MVP candidate, a Hall of Famer. He's he's headed there. All that's going to happen. But he's less dynamic above the break. And Siak, Siakam taking, like, these pick and rolls, getting downhill, and then getting the defense moving, making better passes out of these situations, and, and navigating the people who are sliding in for charges, and then the help rotation behind that, and just so much attention, taking the, the hand-checking at the point of attack, too. And getting to this point where, okay, he worked through everything and came out on top in this game, super, super nice to see. Because in the first half, it was all jump shots, man. Because the 76ers put hands on him and they rotate everybody over. Joel Embiid, like, this is how severe it is for Siakam. Game three, what is Embiid is in help. He's helping off of one of Ken Birch or Precious Achua, right? And he's in help. Usually the guy in help, his three seconds in the key defensively, he'll step out of the key to renew his three seconds on the same side as his matchup because you don't want to leave your matchup that wide open. But Embiid, when Siakam is on that ball, he clears to the strong side. 
that's how open he's leaving people because he just wants to deter these Siakam drives and stuff like that. And so Siakam just has so much to navigate, and he he finally figured it out all game. 34 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. Really nice to see. So aggressive. And uh, yeah, it turns out you don't have to make a referendum on players after one game. Like everybody wanted to make a referendum on Siakam after game three. It's not necessary, guys. We have tons of film. We have tons of analysis. And it doesn't have to just be this guy is good or bad at the end of a game. We can view independent variables that drive things. Anyway, I'm being kind of crotchety about this. (laughs) All this to say, the Raptors have the blueprint. Uh, Embiid. He's going to he's going to be healing from that well whatever happens with his thumb right is a thing that's something that will continue to be monitored the same way that Scotty's ankle and Freddie's uh hip those will be monitored as well this is a a physical series the teams are feeling it on both ends man and uh I guess we'll see but the Raptors have their blueprint they they are very close. I, this is this is going to sound stupid, but it's the exact. Um, it's exactly what was applied to the um, to the Celtic series. OG hit that three. They weren't down 3-0, and then it became two two. That's like the margins are so thin in this series. Embiid hit that three. It became 3-0, but the Raptors found their blueprint. And they found the way that they want to succeed and try and keep this even. And that's the way they're going to do it. And they found a way to stick in this series. The adjustments came too late. Half this stuff that the Raptors are currently doing, I was talking about in the preview. You know? Like, a, a lot of these defensive decisions I was talking about in the preview. And they're working now. Two games in a row, these defensive adjustments have worked. And they've they've made the Raptors, you know, play significantly better defense did they have the intensity did they have the whatever to kind of make this work in games one and two that's where you could kind of quibble if you wanted to and just say well even if they were doing this would it have worked i i'm not super sure but it's working now i i was a little i'm a little perturbed to see it come in after two games but anyway and just because you know you get vindicated when something you say like a a schematic change you ask for but it's harder for coaches to implement schematic changes because there's real risk for them. Whereas for me, I just say like, oh, I guess I was wrong. You know, if something, they try something and it fails utterly, then I just get to say, oh, I was wrong. And the team doesn't benefit or or have negative effects because of that or whatever. But yeah, the Raptors, they found the way to stick in this series, man. How much longer they keep going remains to be seen. But this game was really, really encouraging. And uh, I think we all wait with bated breath to hear about how Scotty progresses, how Fred heals, and uh, where Joel Embiid's thumb is at. So, yeah, super, super fun game. Reggie Evans Ward, Thaddeus Young, that's for you, brother. I thought you were just tremendous. Man, he was good in this game. He really, really brought it. Well done, Thad. That extra pop of offense. You know, sure, he fouled fouled hard in on that three-point attempt, but he... uh, the defense, man, he he's found his spot in it. He looks good in it, and it's the Raptors got to fully lean into that identity, you know, of uh, everybody long, everybody wild, everybody wingy. So yeah, top quick reaction comment. Okay, quote or from Robin. Sorry, quote. 
We can be the most disruptive, best defensive team in the NBA without Fred VanVleet, have a chance to win another game with Barnes and without FVB, end quote. Hard disagree. (laughs) Fred is injured, man. Fred was a fantastic defensive player this year. Fred, they were playing good defense when he was on the floor. Fred is highly correlated with great defensive lineups. Fred, Fred is injured and he's shooting. Like the biggest reason why Fred isn't as good right now is yes, he's lost a little bit of punch at the point of attack, but also he's shooting 30% on catch and shoot threes since the all-star break. Catch and shoot threes, not even the pull-up threes. And he's just not able to punish teams in the pick and roll anymore. It's not that Fred is like diametrically opposed to what makes the Raptors win. He's a great defensive player. He does not mitigate what the Raptors want to do defensively. Ask anybody over there, literally anybody, even if you give them truth serum, Nick Nurse, Pascal Siakam, the, the Masai, Bobby, whoever, make them take truth serum and say like, hey, uh, <laughs> Do you, do you think this team is better without Fred in the long run? Do you think do you think this team is better defensively without a healthy Fred or whatever? They're going to say no because Fred is a really good defender. I would much rather focus on what the players did on the court well. Some of them abnormally well. You know, like Pascal Siakam, is he going to have this 15 free throw attempt game again that helps drive the Raptors offense where – he was he was just so good that he gets to paper over Fred's absence. That's how good he was. Is that the case going forward? Do you just get to bet on that? Or is it good that Fred Van Vliet is a good player and that typically he plays for the Raptors? I don't I I don't know why this I wouldn't turn this game into a referendum on like this is the vision without Fred Van Vliet there and Fred Van Vliet hampers their defensive vision. No, they've played really great defensive games with Fred there. Really, like, last game was a better defensive game than this game. They Their de- their defensive rating in game three was better than this game. And Fred played a lot of minutes in that game. A seven-foot-three Joel Embiid, a future All-Famer, beat them by hitting long jump shots over the likes of Precious Achua. The defense, the base defense is still the same. They force Embiid to the same spots. And he doesn't hit them over Precious today, but he hit them over Precious in game three. And somehow that's, this is, you know, the signifier that Fred is bringing down the defense. No, Fred is injured. The team wants Fred back. I hope he's healthy. He is not hampering this team. I, man, I don't understand that. You want good players, man. The Raptors are not better off without Fred. Like maybe maybe they find something and they have lineups that they can lean into for certain parts at a time. They had success this season without Fred on the floor, without Gary on the floor, with those big winging lineups. Yes, but those are short spurts that are the the change of pace for teams. That's that's what it is. You know, maybe if the Raptors don't have Fred, we see more zone next game, and maybe it doesn't work out well. All this kind of stuff. But I. People did this at the start of the season when the the Raptors had a five-game winning streak against, like, the Indiana Pacers three times and whoever else when Pascal was gone. And, you know, then they lost games when Pascal came back and everybody said Pascal was the reason the defense was bad. No. (laughs) 
Just because the players play good doesn't mean that the other good players are bad. Man, I don't understand this. You just won a game. Fred is injured. He's not keeping them from anything, dude. Man. Anyway, yeah. Well done, Raptors. You have the blueprint. Fred fits into that blueprint. Fred fits. If he's healthy, he's going to play. He's going he's gonna to provide things. I'm looking forward to seeing if he's healthy or not. Yeah. Thanks for listening in, uh, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.